Welcome back, everybody. This is The Social Age. I'm your host, Adrian Sea. And on today's episode, we got Otto in the building. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course, man. So, um, you know, we met through our mutual friend, Santi. Uh, we love the man. And uh, he was like, yo, you got to talk to my boy, Otto. Like, he, he knows. Uh, I think he would totally love this podcast. Um, and sure enough, bro, as soon as we met prior to this episode, I'm like, yeah, we, get, we can definitely knock out a lot of shit to talk <laughs> yeah, about. No doubt. Sure. Um, one thing that I, I really loved is that you have a, a good pulse on the spiritual community. So tell me about that. What has your experience been like here in South Florida with, with that? Uh, so I've been a massage therapist for, I think, over seven years now. Um, and I think that's when I... I think through my massage school, I kind of had like that pivotal point in my life where I really understood the whole holistic aspect of having a holistic lifestyle. Um, you know, I learned a lot of modalities and I experienced uh, being able to see energy for the first time. Uh, so that's kind of when I did see that, that was kind of like that moment where I'm like, oh, so that thing that we all talk about that we have, those souls, the, the energy now have something tangible to kind of back it up for something that I could look forward to. It's like a part of my brain opened up. It's like, okay, every time this happens, this is really what's happening. This is what you're feeling. I see. So that kind of like led, opened the door for me to like start exploring the, you know, the holistic practices and like the community that we have here in Miami. Adrian, you got, I hate to interject, but I need you to have a couple of questions about that. I do actually. Like, what does it look like, for example? It <laughs> yeah. Because I'm picturing Naruto, like, chakra lines when you say that. You know what I mean by that? Oh, of course, dude. I'm, <laughs> I'm watching Boruto right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what does energy look like? Man? So it's it's different um, in the sense of you have to see it for the fundamental, right? It goes back to the conversation of waves, right? Waves are frequencies that every frequency has a color. So it's being able to recognize it. Once you do, your brain already knows what to look for. Look for. So we had a practice in class. It was called supporting touch. And it was basically you have a client on the table laying down and you hold their head. And you kind of guide them through a guided meditation to focus on their inner flame. And then the, our teacher at some point told us, you know, go ahead and I'm, I'm going to let you guys have free range. Do what you feel calls out to you and the first thing that came to mind is like connecting my crown chakra to hers now i had uh another colleague uh, the colleague that I had on the table she was a yogi like she practiced this for like years so something told me to connect my crown chakra and the moment i connected my crown chakra i had my eyes closed i saw a rush of colors i saw red purple green blue yellow whole room just flooding flooding in my head and like i stayed there for like a minute like, you know, like as a normal person, you think it's nothing, right? But the moment I disconnected, it stopped. And I was, that was like that moment, like, wait, what just happened? So I plugged back in and the colors came back, like, instantly. So you got, like, a rush of the colors of the spinal spectrum? In theory. I mean, everyone has different auras, different colors, you know. But are these associated with, like, the, the specific... Chakra points? Yeah. Um, the in theory, yeah. So when you see certain colors you will see predominant certain colors. For this particular person who's very in tune with their body, I was able to see all the colors, right? So I got a flux of colors. Um, at the end of the practice, you know, we as a therapist, the, the whole point of that practice was to experience, not to communicate, and then have the person on the table express what they experienced before we speak. 
So when she spoke, she felt as if like she plugged in. She felt like she, there was like some type of source that kind of like lit a flame. So I didn't say anything. At, at the end, I expressed to her what I experienced, which just goes hand in hand. You know, like I saw the rush of color. So from that moment forward, I had something tangible to look into or look forward to when I am with my clients. So I, I have a particular modality called craniosacral therapy. Craniosacral. Oh, th cranial? Craniosacral therapy. Cranial? Cranial, yeah. So craniosacral therapy is basically a modality that's useful for people who have stress, depression, insomnia, PTSD, um, that have a certain uh, Down syndrome as well. Um, but basically, you have three pulses in your body. You have your respiratory, your cardiac, and then your cerebral spinal fluid, right? So your, your cerebral spinal fluid's job is to make sure that fluid goes up and down your spinal cord, and it makes sure that it's kind of rinsing the, the cord, make sure it runs effectively. Now, when you get into a car accident, what happens? You have a, f a force coming in one direction, and it deviates the path of that flow. So you have people who get PTSD after a car accident and they are traumatized for some time period before they could get back in the car and start driving. So your natural flow goes down and up. It's a 10 second flow that goes from the bottom of your sacrum all the way up to your brain. Depending on what you do for a living, you know, if you're a high stress environment, things of that nature, you could actually lock the facets in your skull. So facets are joints of in between each bone, right? So our brain has different joints. And when you lock those facets, you're not allowing that fluid to fill your skull to give your brain, um, you know, air in a sense to, to, to relax. So when you do craniosacral therapy, your goal is to try to open up the pharyngeal magnum, which is the big hole under your skull, and to allow fluid to come up. And then the second step is to start manipulating the facets to allow expansion. So you start loosening them up. Within this process, you could enter REM sleep the the session is normally from 30 to 45 minutes long now within this time frame you within the first five minutes depending on who you are depending on the environment you're in every day you could knock out within the first five minutes or knock out within the last five minutes you know 45 minute session 40 minutes in but when you do once you come out of it you feel like you had a four or five hour nap like you feel energized because when your body enters REM sleep, its job is to go down your, all your systems, check what needs to be resetted, what needs time to heal. So you'll have a lot of clients who will start twitching their arms, and they're not aware of this. I can see this. Their arms will start twitching, their eyes will start moving back and forth. It's the body's way of kind of hitting that hard reset of like everything needs to be flushed out, right? It's a tune-up. tune-up, exactly. So within this practice, I have... Basically, your your power bank in my hand, you're the most powerful energetic thing in your body in my hands. My hands are like antennas. When I went to massage school, we had uh, I had a teacher called Sandy, and she was an, a much elder woman. She was, I think, in her mid 70s. She never expressed those her age, but she was like mid 70s. The first thing in class she did was get naked. She's like, get used to it. You're going to be around naked bodies your whole career. <laughs> right. So this is the type of energy she had. She was super cool. And she'll walk around. And I remember she put her hand on me and she told me, uh, you're your conductor. She didn't say anything to that. She said that she walked away in the beginning. I'm like, OK, I know what a conductor is. I don't know how it pertains to me. You ever read Eric Pearl? No. Uh, so you know, at the end of graduation, I understood it. I, I went up to him like, remember when you told me this? She, or actually the other way, she came to me. She's like, remember when I told you this? That you're conducting? I'm like, I get it. So what, what do you get? 
I'm capable of not only receiving but amplifying messages. You know, it's it's all in us differently. For me, that I'm a grounded person, it's very easy for me to tune into people. And like a tree, you go out, you grow up, and send it out. So when I have clients in my hand, I, I would have moments where I, I'm so in tuned because you got to realize when you massage someone is such an intimate moment, especially when you have a stranger on the table, you have to make them feel comfortable within the first five minutes. And the only other time that they're touched when they're naked is when they're having a very sacred session with their partner, right? So it's like an honor. It's like having an energetic ballot with this person energetically, right? I have to be able to connect and flow with them so that they feel at peace, that they feel like they could relax. And within this ballot, I could get messages. I get images. So when you think of a memory, right, it's either uh, first person is this, third mm -hmm. person is above, right? Yep. So when you think of a memory, most of the times you think about it as from first person, right? But when you get a third person image for me in that scenario auto body i start i started realizing like this is weird like when i think of memories i don't think of for a third person and then over time you know i started getting these thoughts and images and uh, at some point I, I would tell my clients like yo by any chance does this ring a bell you know i have a lawyer who i, I do cranial psychotherapy um every other week and there was a moment where i'm like i got an image of a woman in a red dress in thailand does that make you say He's like, dude, like last night I met a woman who was in a red dress and we were talking about Thailand. So like, again, no information told me about this, but this was something I picked up on. It's a nonverbal language. Now, we got to realize that our first language is not verbal. It's touch. When you get a child, you give it nurture. You have a child and a mother, unspoken language, right? The child's hungry. The mom instantly knows. Not because it's crying. It could be either because she's lactating or whatever it may be, but there is an unspoken connection, right? That is something that we've kind of lost touch over time because we're dependent on communication through sounds, mm -hmm. right? So being able to tune into that, into that way of communicating, um, I've been able to understand messages and be able to translate them and then get confirmation from the people I'm holding. Like, yeah, dude, that's so... That was like the first time that I realized that I'm capable of things, right? People are like, oh, yeah, I could feel energy or see auras. Like, to an extent, I strongly believe it. Like, even people who see spirits and, and energies, like, we're, we're very powerful beings. Like, you got to realize we use a small percentage of our brain. Mm -hmm. And yet, there's a lot of things that we experience that we, we kind of, like, dreams. Does anyone know what the hell a dream is? Like, <laughs> why do we dream, right? So, to an extent, it's there's a lot of things that we're capable of doing but we don't explore and one of them is expanding on the language of touch that is something that we're deprived from you have a lot of kids who are born through c-section and, and you don't realize when you when you're born naturally there's a lot of benefits you get out of that when you touch a child there's there's an emperor in i want to say the 1400s um he was uh, i think a german emperor or a russian emperor and what he did he did an experiment he got a total of like 14 babies and he got these babies and put them in a room. And he only did two things. He fed them and washed them, right? But the nurses that were taking care of these babies, they were they were not allowed to nurture the child. They weren't allowed to speak to it because the, the, the king wanted to see if they could create a language amongst themselves, right? Within, I think, two to three months, they all died. Now, they were being fed. They were being washed, right? It's not that they were being in, in hygienic, right? So the question is, why did they die? 
you know, because when you deprive a human being of touch, something that's nurture, which is what we use to grow. Hendrix experiment? Yes. Yes. Um, you're kind of left with a being that's, you know, like lost, you know, right. confused. So then you have a lot of people going to this world who don't have loving parents or are not given the opportunity to have a mother or father there to teach them this. So they grow up. They are very detached from their human essence, feeling, emotion, you know, where where we have both energies, right? I, I talk about the masculine and the feminine, right? There, It's the yin-yang. Right. There's a polarity within all of us, and we choose to uh, access one or the other whenever we need to. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to receive nurture, personally, I think that when you are a, a baby, the, the one thing you need besides food is nurture. If you deprive a child of nurture, you're depriving a child of a human experience. Right? Definitely. So, so then they go into life kind of like, numb if that makes sense and now again it's up to that child to then have that point in their life like i get to explore this i get to experience this but now a lot of people do that because based off how we're raised our our education system teaches us external things not internal things they don't teach you about gut instinct they don't teach you about intuition they teach you about math reading you know so it's yes we have a lot of people who are book smart but when it comes to street smart they're lost like you, you make know. a lot of good points there. Um, one thing I'm curious to know more about, which I know definitely has a, um, a lot of scientific um, basis, is when you're deprived of touch and love as a kid, how that comes into play in the future as you become an adult. Yeah. Right? Because I think it, it instead of becoming more intuitive, it could become more of a trauma. And, and I think that can affect how people communicate yes. going forward. So when you're deprived of touch and love in particular, you start trying to associate love with certain behaviors. So, for example, if you're a child that didn't, that had a mother that would or a father that would be aggressive and beat them in your brain subconsciously, that is what love looks like. So then they start attracting partners that resemble those traits. Mm. Right. So now they're within this 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 um, cycle that they aren't aware of until they spend the time to realize like yo this really isn't love love isn't being you know yeah some people might be into bdsm and choking the whole night but then to (laughs) an extent it's like am i really being appreciated am i being loved is this what love really is you know that question you know but for someone to have that question they need to be able to understand the other side of the coin Mm -hmm. if i'm living in the dark my whole life what am i gonna think the the light is Mm -hmm. you know um but yeah, there's there's a big importance. Um, I tell my friends who are, are new parents and mothers, my godchildren, love them to death. And you know, the one thing that I always try to do when I spend time with them is just being able to provide nurture. You know, as as a man who's masculine driven, it's when you're masculine driven, you're more focused, goal oriented. You know, uh, discovering when you're more feminine, you're more into the nurturing, the love, the feeling, right? So as an individual, we get to access both. Just because I'm a man doesn't mean I can't be feminine. Just because someone's a woman can't mean that they can't be uh, masculine. Right. But the reality is, is that when you don't have an understanding of the difference, right? You have a, a parent who is a single mother, right? She tries to teach you what the masculine is. But if she's someone who operates from the feminine, your experience of the masculine is very vague. Right. right? That's why you have a lot of people. I have friends who are, are, are guys who are feminine, but they're straight. Right. And because they had a single mother, 
you know? Yeah, that is a very big point, man. Being raised with just one parent in the household will determine the type of energy you bring into the world. Choose um, to access from. That's what it is. That's, that's actually a really good way to put it, you know, because it, it'll be shown in all your interactions, you know, and and then and the way you even react under pressure and things like that. Like if you're more in tune, those raised with single mothers are always looking for that that mother's love. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of uh, also seen with the relationships they try to get with people. Mm-hmm. They're looking for that same love in someone else because they never got the masculine portion of their childhood. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, yeah, I think that's actually something really interesting. And I, I, I don't know if people really look out for it when they go into dating you know no i mean i've had i feel like the one constant in my life has always been trying to be of service um growing up i had two parents who were immigrants you know who were when you're when you're an immigrant you come here to be able to provide mm. right there's not space for nurture it's like you come from the country like your focus is to bring money to the house so they could feed your family and provide them an education. But when you do that, you're kind of not providing the other aspect, which is the nurturing, being a, a family person, right? I believe that you can't be the breadwinner and the, and the you know, f- father, not father, but like house parent, you know, because you could be a woman who's breadwinning, but then when it comes to home, like you're lacking a one. Personally, I tried doing both. I tried having a relationship and I tried, you know, creating a business. And it's tough. It's tough because reality is, is that they're both relationships. When you're creating a business, it's a child that you're trying to create and you got to give it 100%. You should never give a child 50%, let alone anything under 99%. So um, within my, that relationship that I, I, I was in, you know, I was able to be in, in vulnerable situations, be uncomfortable with how i was showing up in relationships like there was a lot of things i used to you know look at as like it was okay to do or you know oh it was excusable but when you really think about it you know whether it's a romantic relationship or a business relationship everything is a relationship so how you have your inner relationship with yourself leaks out so if I'm choosing to have a shortcut on on your response to someone is because I do the same thing to myself. I'm not choosing the direct route. I'm not giving myself the open, honest truth, and I'm not going to be able to give that to my partner. I can't give someone something that I don't give myself. Yeah, so, that's a very good point. So, like, relationships is, is one thing that, you know, it's, it's a big learning curve if you so choose to spend the time to learn about yourself, to spend the time to take that constructive criticism don't be deterred by you know your partner's comments as if it's against you reality is it's someone who loves you and it's telling you this is how you're showing up in my space you know Mm. are you going to ignore it continue are you going to reflect are you going to choose to you know take what i got process it come back to me with a response or are you just going to ignore it you know so it's you know uh i think to touch on what you just said like to in order to be very good at something like that, you have to have a lot of emotional intelligence. Yes. And I think one thing that definitely helps is understanding energy. Kind of going back to the original um, point that you made about seeing color and feeling aura, mm-hmm. right? And and um, one question I really have for you is how do you feel 
that you became more in tune with that emotional intelligence and understanding energy for what it is, right? Because I feel like it doesn't come easy. It usually comes as an epiphany. Yeah. Um, I feel like my my epiphany was at a very young age as a child, um, being labeled at the as the disruptive kid, the one who was always, you know, acting up in class. It really wasn't that I was acting up in class. I was getting my work done, you know, as just... I had a different learning curve than everyone else. I was going about doing things differently. I would have to listen to music to focus, you know. I think there was a certain point where I was getting, always being written up. I was always getting like a, going to SCSI, you know, for really dumb things. And I found myself always kind of having to find a reason to explain as to why I did it. Even when I didn't feel like it was wrong, it's like I have to cover my bases because an adult is going to ask me and I need to make sure that nothing bad happens to me. So fight or flight kicks in. And mm. then when fight or flight kicks in, nothing else really matters. And so growing up like that and then entering, you know, my teens, I was able to really reflect on like how I'm really in control on the outcome of things. So if I'm able to enter fight or flight, then I'm also able to enter into a mindset a mindset of like you know i can go about doing this correctly and to to be able to do that you have to be you know mindful of those different circumstances like i went from being a, a, a disruptive child to then just being in school like being a normal kid in their standards right so whenever i would see someone else in that same predicament instead of me seeing them as like an outsider i could sympathize i see right like we started off talking about like naruto right like look at naruto being an outsider in reality he just wanted to be seen he wanted to help he wanted to be you know acknowledged and i feel right. like every child is like that every child wants to be feel feel loved you know right so to be able to be in that space grow up have that sense of like understanding being that person not being an adult I apply it to everybody. We're all humans. We're all children. We're looking, we're, we're seeing our parents, but they're still children growing up. You know, they're, yeah. they're learning every day. Yeah. So to be able to sit there and see it from that perspective, you're, you're having more of an honest perspective on people and it makes you more emotionally intelligent because you're not mm. allowing your emotions to guide you or to drive you. You're, you're more aware of the circumstances. So you're more honest with it. Oh, okay. They're sad. I mean, just step into a place of where I could support them. I see. Not a sense of like, let me try to fix it or like, oh, they're angry. Well, you know what? I'm going to be angry too, you know, <laughs> but it was, it was a hard curve, you know? Yeah. Not an easy one to achieve. And I, I think uh, it, there's definitely levels to this, right? The, mm -hmm. the superficial. And then once you start really getting into the deeper, deeper knowledge, um, I think energy just comes into play so strongly. Mm -hmm. And even the ability to meet someone out of the blue and immediately pick up whether or not they are, they have something off to them. Mm -hmm. That's incredibly powerful. Yeah. You know, cause I've had that experience myself where I've met someone. I'm like, ah, you give off an aura. That is not good. Mm -hmm. Like I feel it. You've got, you got some, some anger pent up or something. Their frequencies off. Yeah. Something's you off know? about you, man. I just can't tell you what it is. Right. And, and then you're just like, understanding that will save you so much time and in, in, in trying to vet the person or yeah you know um or even the relationships you have with just your everyday people 
Um, and, and it's 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 amazing that you touched on these points on how to develop emotional intelligence. It really sounds like it just starts from um, a stepping stone of awareness. Yes. Just self-awareness, right? Like, I'm, I'm here. I understand how you're feeling. Now, how I reciprocate is how it's going to change the energy that's in, in the air right now. Yeah. I've, I've personally, you know, when you're someone who's masculine driven right you choose to operate from the masculine again when i mean a masculine feminine i don't mean genders you know you could be feminine you could be female and be masculine vice versa um when you operate from masculine that is your your come from when you are put in the feminine it's very easy to get confused it's very easy to to get ungrounded right so for example you know you got a guy and he's uh with his chick oh he did something bad, right? And he's like, baby, I'm sorry. I love you. No, I'll never do it again. Blah, blah, blah. And then a week later, he does the same shit, right? He means it. But the reality is he doesn't have the, the, the capabilities to operate from the feminine to be able to give you an honest answer. You know, mm -hmm. I personally, if there's something you want to handle and it deals with emotion, you got to give me time to process. I don't operate from the feminine, so I can't respond to you right away. What do women do? They Or, or when people operate from the feminine, they express their emotion and then they want a, a response in return, right? Right. But again, like being able to feel is a feminine thing. To be able to do is a masculine thing. Mm. So when you're not, when you're put in an energy that is opposite from where you operate from, it's very easy to to just like not have that time to process and be honest with what you're about to say or do. You know. So. I see. I think it's where we get that whole saying of women are from Venus, men are from Mars. It's, it, <laughs> there's there's some facts behind all that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> there's some facts behind all that. So uh, tell me, how do you think you get a good balance between masculine and feminine energy with, with men today? So I have a mentor um, or a coach. Uh, his name is uh, Mike DeSanti. Um, he has a book called The New Man Emerging. And so what he speaks about is like, and I when he talks about a new man, you know, there's a lot of people who can see it from a sexist perspective, like, oh, men have to be this way. Not really. What it talks about is that there is a shift happening, right? From a world that's that's kind of driven or been a masculine world, we're at that point where it's kind of tipping the other way. We're going into the feminine. We're being more considerate and open to each other, right? I see. So there's a shift, energetic shift. Yeah. And so the new man, <clears throat> in a sense, is being able to be aware of that, to be able to tap into what they need to to provide you know to the other end like i said there, there's polarity to all this to, to be masculine you must be able to also understand the feminine and vice versa right so i think you know it, it all comes down to awareness um in the sense of if you are going to choose to be comfortable do not expect change do not expect shift you have to decide it's a choice. You have to go forward making the conscious choice to be like, I'm going to choose to be vulnerable. I'm going to choose to be uncomfortable regardless of the evidence, regardless of how it's going to end up. There's a lot of people who are, are, are fear, are fearful of something they haven't explored, and it's, it's normal, you know? But then the question comes down to why is it, why am I doing it? Mm -hmm. What am I going to gain out of this? And that was my own journey. I, I did personal development course uh, called... Um, gratitude and it's like three phases you have uh phase one phase two and then masterful living and then masterful living is like 90 days where you practice it in day to day and so 
you get to really break down this box you've created in your life, right? This box is a representation of how I see myself, my limiting beliefs, what um, I choose to operate from. And so the thing is this box I've created, mm. this box is something that I choose to be in. I can think that these walls are made of concrete or I could think these walls are made out of paper. It's up to me to test these boundaries, these walls, so mm. that I get to really get to not only know myself, but to grow. And so the first phase is discovery. You got to discover what are your limitations. To do that, you got to choose to be vulnerable and choose to be uncomfortable so that you know this is my edge. And then for you to start growing out of that is that you have to know where your edge is and then lean a little bit forward, right? So, for example, when for me, when I'm at the gym and I'm here like, all right, I'm a do 12 uh, reps that's my comfort zone all right let me do two more let me push myself because growth comes from discomfort and if you don't choose to be uncomfortable then there isn't really any growth hmm. and that goes with your energy like choose to operate from the feminine once in a while choose to operate from your masculine you have it in you we all have it in us you know if you have a hard time then you have people who love you that operate from their use their words of wisdom you have people I take my wisdom from life, from experiences, from books, which at the end of the day, if you look at like the Chinese culture, they're all about passing down knowledge. You right. have dynasties that are like generations. And like, what do people in America do? I'm going to grow up and be a lawyer, right? And you get a kid and the kid, I'm going to be a doctor. It's great to, to be dream, to dream, to fulfill your dream, right? But one thing that you miss out is that there's value within age. There's value within your elders. And if you can't sit there and process and take in this wisdom you're starting from point zero you're not starting from where they end hmm. you know mm -hmm. so that those are ways of like going about choosing to learn to grow to to you know change your circumstances you know be a better person you know inspired to live from a sense of power it's, it's not about i have to gain power no you are power you are everything you need oh but one day i'll have it no you have it Oh, well, then what do you get to do now if you don't physically have it? What do you who do you get to be now to be able to bring that into your space? You mm. know, so that is very powerful in, in, in itself. Um, I think understanding um, that you are already you already have everything that it takes is just peeling back that onion to, to, to an onion, uh, exactly. you know, to, to unlock that inner power. It's like Goku going Super Saiyan. He couldn't do it immediately. It took him some time, bro. He had a, you know, he had a really power and like push through a lot of a lot of um, different adversity, and then ultimately get to where you want to be. Or willpower, exactly. Willpower. Accomplish that willpower. Um, it's a lot easier said than done. It is, and I, I think this is one of the biggest things that comes with self development is it's really cool to, to hop on a screen and be like, yo, you can do it. You got this. Like, just be, believe nah, in yourself. Gary B's like, nah, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't going to do that. Don't you lie to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. No, it's true. Why, why is Gary B always the go-to when they shit on him? Nah, it ain't shit. It ain't <laughs> really Because he's just real, man. He tells you real. And it's not like to shit on him. He's the only, in my opinion, the only speaker that will give it to you raw based off of where you're coming from. Practically. If you're coming from a place of scarcity, he's gonna let you know, hey, you're you're being a little bitch right now. <laughs> if you're coming from a place of ownership and like, he'll he'll look at you he's like, bro, great, like keep pushing, like you know. So 
one thing I, I admire, and I don't watch any Gary V things, but what I admire about him the, the most is his sense of being very honest with the, every situation that's presented in front of him. And I feel like that is very hard trait to come across, you know, for oneself. For me, it's, it's again, I, I, this is, I spend money and time into this practice. And even now I'm human. I have moments where I don't know, I'm confused. Like, do I doubt myself? Do I take other people into consideration? But then the real work is like commit to what you said you're going to do. Don't go back on your word because if you go back on your word and you start trusting someone, right? Let's say you tell me, yo, you should go buy the boat. I'm going to be like, uh, sure, I'll go buy it. I go buy it. And if it's a fail, now I'm going to associate that failure with you. you yeah. You're the reason why I failed, right? Yeah. But if it succeeds, same thing. I'm going to be like, well, his advice, your advice was what allowed me to succeed. So now I'm going to take other people's advice and to consider it's going to help me succeed. What are you building there? You're building a disconnect from your own intuition, from your own trust. If you fail and it's a choice you made, now that's a learning curve. I learned. Now I get to move on. People don't do that nowadays because we have... It's a mindset shift. It is. It's a mindset. It's being able to be real with your circumstances and be real with who you are and what you got. Not basing it off of any materialistic things or, or things that are outside of you, you know? Definitely. And, you know, you mentioned uh, like Gary Vee, who can be seen as an amazing coach for some people mm -hmm. and, and being motivational. Um, personally, I've found that the best coaches come from ones that help you understand the problem yourself without giving you the answer. Facts. Right? So, like, it, once they give you the answer, then you're like, oh, I'm just going to do this. And if it fails, like you said, you blame the coach. And then you're like, all right, well, he told me what he just told me was wrong. It's not that I, I did anything wrong. Right. But when someone allows you to derive the answer yourself, mm -hmm. then when you go take action, it, you're taking more responsibility for that action. You get yeah. me? It's like, well, no, I came to this conclusion myself. So what I'm, I'm believing in these choices I'm making now. Yeah. And I think that really helps with that mindset shift. If anyone here ever works with a coach i think that's that's the best yeah. ones i you can encounter yeah um and there's a lot of value in that yeah i mean again you could either spend the money or find the hard way find the hard way or <laughs> just find people you trust i mean I, I i had my own struggles you know one was not being honest you mm. know i had a hard time growing up not being honest because it's what would save me from these situations growing up being the disruptive kid i had to lie to save my ass and that leaked into my life growing up until adulthood where I'd enter relationships and I wouldn't be honest with how I feel or I wouldn't be honest with the situation. So that was a lot that I had to break down and like really choose to like be real with myself. That And, and again, like who 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 cares if I right? Who cares? Like it's only I only know. No. Yeah. But since I only know how many times am I going to lie to myself? Like mm. reality is this is my reality. You have your own reality. So if I am the author to my reality, then why am I not authoring my truth? Mm -hmm. The more I author my truth, the more I'm going to see it in my space. The more I author the lies, the more I'm going to see it in my space. You mm -hmm. know. Was there any particular tools that you used to try to break down those barriers that you developed through that childhood experience? Yeah. Um, I would say one was like, the first thing is awareness. You know, you got to be aware with where you're at first and foremost. And are you happy? Are you happy with what you got? Are you are you happy where you're at? And if you're not, 
that's the first step. You just you just did the first thing that a lot of people don't even do. You know, they're not able to be honest with the situation and they choose to believe something else. Once you have awareness, now let's take action. You have to decide. It's, it's a decision. Everything in your life has made a decision. You have people who have a drunk father, right? There's a story, I think, I think it was maybe Gary Vee too, but he, he was talking about there was these two kids, right? Same family. A father was a drunk. One ended up being a drunk and the other one was not a drunk, right? They both had the same situation. However, one chose to blame his life off of his father. Oh, I'm a drunk because my father's a drunk. And then the other one was like, my father's a drunk. I'm going to choose not to be a drunk. So it comes down, you decide. I decide. I decide when I want to go forward. With. I decide when I shift, you know, which goes back to don't go back on your word. You know, it's it's hard. Like, bro, like life is going to life. You can't life life. Life's going to life you. Like you can't <laughs> tell life, yo, stop. No, I'm going to continue, right? So the reality is you have to take the time and make the decision to create your space, right? You have to create your space. You cannot, you can't plant a cactus in Antarctica, right? You could try, you could put in hours, you're going to plant 100, 200, I'm going to wait till the summer. And, oh, well, Antarctica summer ain't something that a cactus grow in, right? So the conversation is there. You got to create the context for your content, mm. right? Um, the context is what we have around the content is who you are. If mm. I'm choosing to be someone who's dishonest, if I'm choosing someone to be um, messy, disorganized, I'm going to get a lot of that in my space. The moment I shift, you're going to see your space does that. 2021, I made a year of sobriety, not because I have an addiction, not because I have a hard time, but to me, living in Miami, where you're surrounded by substances, drinking, smoking, whatever drugs it is, right? It's accessible. Because it's accessible, you'll go out to, hey, you want to take a hit? Yeah, I'll take a hit, right? But then I sit there and I think about when's the last time I was like fully sober, right? And I think about like middle school. I'm like, damn, dude, that's a long time for me to be sober for a whole year. And it's like, you know what? Let me decide to be sober for a year. So what did I do? I did the most hardest thing. Willpower is the one thing that's going to help you break these things. If you have the willpower to go forward against all odds because you create your own boundaries and actually persevere you will get what you want i did a fasting for 72 hours only water and there's a lot of health benefits but the most impactful thing of fasting for 72 hours is the mental breakdown that you have the mental argument you have for your subconscious hmm. i tell people i tell my clients all the time you have two people. You have your conscious and your subconscious. Your subconscious is the one that's driving you home while you're on the phone talking and you're like, how the hell did I get here, right? And the one who's talking on the phone, you're your conscious, right? So your brain's already pathed in a certain way to do things. It's your job to get that guy out of the driver's seat, put in the passenger, and you drive. The best way to do that is deprive your body of everything besides essential, water. So by 48, 24 to 40 hours, you're already like, go eat. Stop being, your fridge is right there. You got food. It's like, no, eat, no. That's it. You're already fighting your 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 inner self, the one that's keeping you in your box. Once you pass those 40 hours, you enter like this blissful moment. Like time slows down. You're you feel more present. Like once you're able to conquer that power, that inner power, the power that you are, you can go forward with that power and do what you are purposed to do. You know, I tr truly believe that we all have a purpose, whether it's to share our gifts, whether it's to create things. But if you don't choose to go forward to have the power, your bring your power out for to share with everybody, then you're only suppressing your gift. Hmm. You are a gift to this planet. You get to share it. 
don't allow your circumstances don't allow your boundaries to hold you back you know yeah definitely you know i think it's uh real interesting how you put fasting into how you explained it there like it allows you to strip down your body just to your conscious where mm-hmm. it's going to be the argument between you and yourself. You and your ego. Yeah. And then who wins is ultimately up to you to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never really looked at fasting in that manner. And I, I that actually makes quite a lot of sense, mm-hmm. you know, um, stripping it down to the bear and almost training yourself to overcome your ego. Yeah from a raw perspective without drugs exactly i know a lot of people um have used psychedelics as a means to tackle their ego and Mm -hmm. although it works great um having a sober one seems pretty powerful in itself as well yeah i mean i like to be fair i mean psychedelics led me to fasting so i've done 72 hour fasts which have done things like that for me but only after getting to a point of clarity off like a, a dose of trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can only open your eyes so your third eye is so far yeah. until you become blinded. You know, yeah. like tell that everyone like, yeah, do what you got to do. If you need a, if you feel like you need a spiritual awakening and you feel like you're only facet to get there is through psychedelics by all means, but don't depend on the experience to bring you enlightenment. Hmm. Allow that experience to bring you awareness to enlightenment and then access it by choice choose to be like this is what it is this is what it feels like remember that feeling so when you're in a moment of feeling deprived or disconnected tap into it and so for me i got to a point where i'm like i don't feel the awakening anymore this just feels like science like i love science so to me like i would just see the processes my body would go through and at the end i'm like why did i fucking do this right so then it, it just led me to my own spiritual awakening and as well as like my, my, my personal awakening of like i get to take control like you could depend on things for so long until you realize that they don't work anymore and then you're gonna look for the next high or the next step but it's always external it's never internal you know mm-hmm. we're not taught that at a young age it's mm-hmm. up to us to do that to spend the time to learn what we got who we are inside you know for me, it was like going to massage and learning what the human body is like simple. What is What are you made of? Where's my kidneys? Where's my heart? Where's all this? Because when you start learning about what a body is, what a human is, you start associating it to this. And then the more awareness you become with your body, the more in tuned you are. And then you see things more like I got power to do this. I'll, I'll do the fasting of like if I need a... a a, a tissue in my body to, to rejuvenate, let me fast for 72 hours and allow my body to create T-cells. Did you know your body could create T-cells? It could restore damaged tissues. These are things that are within our DNA. They're primitive programs that allowed us to survive to this point. But when you live in a society where you have abundance of food, abundance of water, these programs shut off. Hmm. And the only way to activate them is to, to bri- deprive your body of whatever you give them. You have certain proteins and I forget which one it, it is, but you have your ATP cells and then you have your mTOR cells, uh, proteins. ATP uh, proteins or mTOR proteins. Each protein has a different property. I know one of them, their job is to multiply your cells, right? Copy, multiply. The other protein's job is to grab the protein and fi- the, the cell and grab what's not working, take it out, create a new one and replicate that. But that only happens when you're depriving your body of food 
right? You bring your body to a state of neutrality, which is where your body only produce enough insulin for you to survive, mm-hmm. right? Again, don't I wouldn't recommend anyone to fast unless you've already consulted to the doctor or you feel like your body, you maintain your body well enough for so long that you know your body, but you hit this plateau of insulin where you don't have a lot of energy or a little, just enough. But at that point is where your body starts, dude, we're survival, bro. We ain't got no food. I don't know. At 12, 12 ain't looking like lunch anymore. It's looking like water, a clock. So now <laughs> it starts just making sure that your systems are operating effectively is working efficiently and then within this process is where you start basically healing your body hmm. you know so it's like a force reset exactly the atp for the record is the former one where it, it's basically the protein that clouds up as opposed to replacing yes yes thank you for that clarity <laughs> just because i did a lot of research after going through my own uh you know fasting, fasting. yeah exactly I needed to understand why I was able to think so much better than I had in years. Yes. And it crazy how just fast and like I personally have a hard time focusing. If I don't have music, I have a hard time focusing, but it comes down to your 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 body chemistry. What's off? What are you producing? What's not being processed? Like I'll have days when my lower back hurts and it's my kidneys or I could feel my kidneys and it's like, "Yo, I need to drink water." People are like, how do you feel your kidneys? I'm like, well, because I spent enough time in here, <laughs> so I know where <laughs> things are, you know. Um, but yeah, like, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to go about using your body. Like, bro, like, we're we're energetic beings, and on top of that, we have vessels that we get to take care of. And if we don't take advantage of that, then we're dependent. You know, who wants to be dependent on anything, on anyone? You know, that's true. That is very true. So how do you feel this has improved how you meet new people or build relationships, this understanding of your own body? Well, I think it comes down to if I'm able to utilize my body to the max, then I'm able to feel more. I'm, I'm able to reciprocate more. Like I said, like I'm I'm a conductor. Like yeah. I, I carry copper in my pocket, you know, like because I can take in and and i could take in and put out so if i i can meet someone just by shaking their hand i could feel their energy just just by like getting to know them spending time because this can go so far you know so i've weeded out a lot of people you know in my life just based off of the practice that i did within this last year you know Mm. being able to have control of my body being able to make decisions i want not allow my circumstances to make my choices I have friends and family I love that I that you know I care about but I saw them dwindling away and it wasn't because I know they don't love me but in reality is they themselves have a story they themselves have their inner things that don't fix in my fit in my environment right they still have yet to deal with their inner uh traumas right or substance abuse or whatever it may be so I went from hanging out with my friends you know going out partying to like hey auto doesn't drink or do anything it goes out and i'm like yo what are you guys doing nowhere I'm like, why didn't you hit me up oh because you don't drink anymore right so people start realizing damn like this is who you are this is what you are so now the things that don't serve you start going away things that serve you start coming in and that's when you start attracting good people so you start attracting people who are the same frequency as you right mm. again you're always going to have people you love. You're always going to have people you care about, you know. 
But when you are focused on yourself and when you're taking care of yourself, you're going to see that the things that are meant for you are going to stay. I see. And the things that aren't meant will leave, you know? I see. Yeah, you know, that's like the, the saying, the vibe, your vibe attracts your tribe. Facts. You know, what you put out, what you get in. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's really curious. So when you when you stop drinking, um, do you feel like it really created an issue with your close friend group? Like... Um, well, uh, that would be a better conversation with them. (laughs) 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 Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, I I love them at the end of the day, but, you know, there's a lot of choices that I've made in my life for the sake of my future self. I put my, I, I, I look forward to the day I have kids. Like I'll have moments where I'll sit there and I'll think about them. Like I'm in the backyard watching them play in the grass and like I'll tear up because it's like that is what I live for that I know that I have a purpose for them so I get to create my purpose prior or to facilitate my purpose so that when they're here I'm ready for them and so being able to go forward doing things that are uncomfortable eliminating things that don't serve me are for a reason and I think that when you're around people who love you it's very easy to to kind of get it confused like love for like neediness like oh i need them because i love them or like no they're valuable because i built a a relationship with them so i'm gonna keep them in my space Mm. it's it's not about who they were to you it's not about what they provided to you because that will always be honored it's what they're providing for you right now. Right. And if it and if you're filling out your boxes and, and they don't fill out those boxes, it's okay for you to create space, you know? Because again, I strongly believe that everybody has the same path in life. It's just they were experience they will experience it in different extremes at different points in their life. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going through my process now, it's just a matter of time where they do the same mm-hmm. and I'll be here waiting for them. Mm-hmm. But then when you enter relationships where you intertwine energy, where you're having, you know, sex with somebody, it's much harder in that field because now you're giving your energy to someone, you're picking up their energy, and now you have to cut that bond when it's not serving you. Mm-hmm. So people tend to stay in comfort. They stay in the relationship because it provides them financial support. It provides them so, uh, emotional support. And in the cost of what? your own happiness, your own, you know, fulfillment, your own development, right? So to basic, basically simplify the whole concept of like within my process and the things I've gained, the things I've lost, it's me accepting and realizing that I love myself more than, or I get to love myself more then I love these external things. I see. You know? I see. And, you know, you mentioned something very um, valuable there. Uh, The idea that it's okay to create space with others Mm -hmm. who aren't quite serving you at this time because you're going through a process that you know they will go through at some point in their time. But it's just not... You're not serving one another by continuously either being in a platonic relationship or a romantic one, Mm -hmm. you know, and then just allowing that space to exist. And then in the future, you may come again together and be anew. Yeah. And that could actually lead to a stronger bond. Yes. Um, It is difficult. 
I, I've experienced it myself with even those who I felt were very close friends having to be like, listen, this is actually becoming more toxic than it is beneficial. And I believe that it is more growth to be had if we were to be our own separate ways. And perhaps if fate were to have us come back together, mm-hmm. we would be in an even better place than we are today. Um, but I, it takes a lot of self-awareness to to even admit that. Yeah, I've growing up would always choose the harder route than the easier route, mm-hmm. even in relationships. I would choose to stick and always be the last one to leave in a relationship. I, I would choose to go through the emotional abuse, through the you know inconsistency. Again, we're all human. We both, I feel like in a relationship, both people are accountable for how the relationship ends. Mm-hmm. But I used to find myself excessively choose to be there. I, I learned a lot, which is why I'm able to be where I am today because of those experiences, because of those relationships. But to an, a point, it goes back to like opening up your third eye. You can see so much until you're just stuck. You have to make that choice. So if you're someone who is in a a, a uh, volatile relationship, you know, it realize, all right, how many times have I been in this situation? Is this my first time? Is this my 10th time? Why do I keep on coming here? What am I not learning here? Am I choosing to ignore me or am I choosing to ignore something about the other person? Mm-hmm. You know, you again, it comes down to being aware, being honest with yourself. You know, I, I find so much value in journaling and, and even vlogging because back in the day when we didn't have any internet or anything, all the greats fucking uh, um, Albert Einstein and uh, <clears throat> so-called uh, aristocrat. What's his name? Aristocrats? Yeah, or? aristocrats. They would all write everything down, everything that they've experienced. Aristotle, there oh, you go. That aristocrat. Aristocrats. Yeah, thank gotcha. you. They would write everything down because it's it's their way of processing everything. So then oh, when I they see. go back and reflect, they could see this is what I learned. You know, we're we're so capable we're capable of holding so much information at one time, right? So if you could go back and reflect, you know what you've experienced and you know now how to go forward with it. But if you don't have that mental journal or that physical journal, you're in a loop. In the same thing, different day, you're doing the same thing, and you're seeing everyone else advance. You see your friends, you know, being successful, successful, but yet you're in the same cycle. You have nothing going for you. You're, you know, still partying, 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 partying. Partying. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Still partying and still like not doing anything for your life. It's like why, why? Well, you're not, you're not seeing the reality of the situation. You're living this daydream that's perpetuating the cycle. Right. Yeah. A lot of times a fantasy is a lot more blissful than reality. And I've seen this in even relate mostly in relationships, I think is where I learned this the hardest Um, when it comes to even seduction. The the idea of something is a lot sweeter than the reality for some. And I think this is also where you see like the honeymoon phase, I think, in (laughs) relationships. Yeah. It's because the fantasy that we tell ourselves is isn't actually what's truly there between the the couple or the the relationship that you have with that other person Mm -hmm. and i think around year one is where that fantasy uh ends up becoming uh with a hard crash with reality you know like you have to face yourself now you're like wait a minute okay is do or die is this something i want to continue do i want to keep living in this facade or do i see this for what it is and continue it forward Mm -hmm. Um, and that's always a make or break I've seen. 
Um, it's never time wasted. It is a lesson. 100%. And people see, yeah. see like, I just wasted my time. If you see experiences in your life as wasted time or not even a, a lesson, then you just wasted some some of your life. Like, everything's a lesson. Everything. And if you're able to spend the time to process it, I promise you, you'll find a lesson in, in everything. Everything. Mm. Everything is a, is a sacred experience to your reality. Yeah. You know? So yeah. treat it as it was sacred. Yeah. First comes just letting it letting it in in the first place, you know, letting it settle, processing it. I like what you said about journaling. I think it truly allows us to comprehend what is going on around us and what mm -hmm. our own actions are. Because sometimes, man, it's easy for the brain to go on autopilot. You yeah. know, yeah. Oh, I know it. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. Yeah, me too, man. I, I get what you mean. So journaling is definitely a big, huge plus for that. Um, and honestly, for me, I've realized sleeping, you know, uh, I fucking love sleeping, but I, I value it heavy. I think yeah. sleeping is so beneficial to our brain and body in processing mm -hmm. what is happening. I, do. <laughs> I take I genuinely I know a lot of people who only let only nap they don't sleep I can't do I that, that. <laughs> I mean I that. think Elon Musk does that if I'm not mistaken that's crazy yeah I've heard a lot of people in history talk about that mm -hmm. when does your brain ever go into REM that's the problem yeah so when you nap you you don't allow your brain to enter REM it's tough that yeah. like that is is a might create the most extensive short-term memory of all time yeah <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So this all comes back to, to the lessons and then allowing yourself to receive these lessons mm -hmm. and, and processing them and allowing that to change you as a person. Yes. Uh, which I think would lead to great. You're a greater version of yourself. Yes. You should always know that you are your greater version. You just have to acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. You know, I am what I need. I know what I need, you know, or yeah, I know what I, I need to know and being able to come from that place of like sense of urgency. You know, you got to do things with urgency. If you don't do it with urgency, then they don't mean much to you. You know, to wake up in the morning, do your bed. There's mm. a reason why the military does that to sit down and jot down what you're going to do for the day, make a schedule for the week. Like I'm someone who's really hard at organizing. To me, I had to buy a whiteboard and a calendar <laughs> so I could write down my ideas on the whiteboard and then write, you know, what I have to do on what day because there's so much sh shit happening in life that if I don't keep a track or choose to go down a path that I've created, then I'm going to get lost, you know? Easy, easy. Well, um, I think we had an amazing conversation, a lot of gems in this and, yeah, and things to understand. Um, thank you for coming today. No this problem, has been a, a wonderful time. Uh, where can the people find you? Uh, so you can find me on my IG, uh, liveabundant underscore. On there, you'll see um, videos on my fasting. Um, I had a couple um, little talks with a buddy of mine uh, who's a nutritionist. So there's a lot of benefits that we can get uh, from just basically sharing information, any information you got. So feel free to reach out to me. Uh, if you want to talk about certain topics I touched on, I'm more than happy to, you know, help within your process. Um, and as well, if you have any, you know, question as to books that I've read or people that I, I look at, look up to, or, you know, courses that I've done, that's all available for you guys. So I appreciate you guys having me here today. Hopefully I'll see you guys again soon. And, you know, thank you. Of course, man. Thank you for coming. Um, 
And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, this is The Social Age. And if you liked what you saw, feel free to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll catch you on the next one. See you guys. Peace. Ha, <laughs> ha.